Support for this podcast is provided by Paradox, the conversational AI company helping global talent acquisition teams at Unilever, McDonald's and CVS Health get recruiting work done faster. Let's face it, talent acquisition is full of boring administrative tasks that drag the hiring process down and create frustrating experiences for everyone. Paradox's AI assistant, Olivia, is shaking up that paradigm, automating things like applicant screening, interview scheduling, and candidate Q&A, so recruiters can spend more time with people, not software. Curious how Olivia can work for your team? Then visit paradox.ai to learn more. There's been more of scientific discovery more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi there, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 397 of the Recruiting Future podcast. Digital transformation remains a critical issue for most organisations. The pandemic has exponentially accelerated the pace of change, with companies scrambling to supply products and services to meet the demands of our increasingly digital economy. The need for digital skills and continuing issues around gender diversity are just two of the implications for talent acquisition. It's important that TA leaders have a strong understanding of the evolving digital landscape. My guest this week is Bev White, CEO at Harvey Nash. Harvey Nash has a long-standing reputation for providing market intelligence via their annual CIO survey. This year, the research has been refocused as the Digital Leadership Report. Bev has important insights to share around the role of talent in the future development of the digital economy. Hi, Bev, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Matt. It's an absolute pleasure to join you. Well, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Could you just introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I'm Bev White. I'm the group CEO for the Harvey Nash Group, uh, which is a technology solutions business. Uh, We're in um, Vietnam, uh, where we have uh, around 2,000 people um, and in various other locations around the world, but uh, very big in terms of um, writing code, uh, robotics, AI, and so on, you know, some really cool stuff. Uh, and we're also um, a very proud tech recruitment um, as well business. So, so we've been doing those things for 20 plus years and 33 years respectively. Amazing. Now we've known each other for quite some time and I think lots of things that I want to talk to you about around the work that Harvey Nash is doing. Before we do though, I, I, just tell everyone a little bit about your backstory and how you got to do what you do now. Yeah, thanks Matt. And you're right. Um, I'm, I'm really pleased to, to have known you this long. Um, I think um, I started out my career actually as a, a technologist uh, and uh, I remember, you know, when I did my um, degree course, being one of a, a very few small number of, of women. And, and as I started um, my career, comfortable enough, some moments not so comfortable, uh, but, you know, plowed on because it's an, it's an industry that I was really fascinated with. And I've endlessly been fascinated about what technology can do to improve lives. And I think that's really the importance that I place on tech. So I spent more than half my career as a technologist, uh, and and then I moved more into 
um, management. So moved to uh, Penna, where you and I first met, I think, um, and uh, and there from from that business, which I I absolutely loved, passionate about, fourteen plus years there, uh, moved into very different role working for a global business called the GI Group, which is um, an Italian business. And and here actually I learned so much about um, blue collar uh, recruitment as well, which is an area I'd never worked in, as well as all of the other things I was familiar with. That was a new space for me. And I have to say, I think I grew so much as an individual um, working in that space. I think it was amazing. And, and that led me eventually to the Harvey Nash Group, uh, which I am deeply in love with this, these businesses. I I'm smile every day to have found my good fortune to, to work here. And that sounds cheesy, I know, but I'm smiling here. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice um, as, I, as I say it. You know, it's all about the people you work with. No, absolutely. I can hear just how much you're enjoying working there and doing, doing the amazing things that you're, that you're doing. One of the things that Harvey Nash has been in the news for recently was the the publication of your latest digital leadership report. Now, I know that this has evolved from something that, that you've been doing for, for a number of years. I really want to kind of dig into some of the really, really interesting findings that, that were in that. But, but before we do, just give us a little bit of background about the report and why you produce it. Yeah, thank you. So this is our 23rd year. And up until this year, it was known as the CIO survey. Um, and uh, and we've been collecting data around spend. Um, so is it growing or shrinking in the coming years? We speak to CTOs, CIOs traditionally over that time, uh, where they're investing, how they see you know that money is going to be spent to transform their businesses. What kind of skills are growing? Which skills are shrinking? So really, a rich tapestry of data. And, and tracking gender diversity in this really important sector as well. This year, we changed it, the title to Digital Leader Report. And the reason for that is because there are now so many more individuals, different job titles that sit within organizations that really are digital leaders. So the CMO very much deploying technology to help with the marketing and the development of brand and so on. Um, you know, the, the sales director very much involved as a digital leader in, you know, thinking about the evolution of services. So, so that's kind of what brought us to changing um, the the overall name of the report. What were the kind of real headline findings? Because we're obviously in a very unusual time as hopefully we, we come out of the pandemic, but the, the pandemic has fundamentally changed the way that companies are thinking about digital and their, and their digital strategies. How is that reflected in the results? Yeah, so I, I think it's been some very interesting key elements that have come out this year in particular. So as we went into the, the first year of the pandemic, unsurprisingly, there was a big uptick in spend um, in tech as organizations scrambled to you know, enable their employees, their employees to, to work um, from home, um, but also to open up new channels to get services to end customers. Um, so you think of the you know, your favorite local restaurant, Matt, um, and you know how you probably could only enjoy their food and, and their wine and so on if you went and booked a table. Well, suddenly you couldn't do that. And, and they very quickly opened up channels to enable them 
to deliver either, you know, a, a fantastic box of high quality product um, and, a, and a recipe book or a link to an online video on how to be your own chef in your own kitchen or perhaps even better for some, um, you know, actually the end product to your home. And so they scrambled. Now you think about every part of society, your doctor, so, you know, and suddenly, suddenly instead of having to queue to go and see them, you could have a video call with them and, and get them much faster. Um, so, you know, every element of society switched on new services in new ways. Um, and, and so that spiked a huge demand in spend, but also in, in skills. So it was thought when we asked the survey last year, well, that's a spike and it will actually normalise going into this year. Absolutely not so. The spend is continuing to um, to grow. Um, the demand for skills are continuing to grow. And again, I'm not surprised by that when you think about, you know, how much it's caused people, businesses to think about the shape of their business, the shape of their services it's actually turned us into a much more innovative um, group of businesses across the world where we're having to really think and reimagine our services. And, and it's a great opportunity to do that. So for the first time um, in, in many, many years, new products and services is in the top three wish list and demand list for people's time when you're a digital leader. Um, and then I think, a little bit depressingly, but I'm going to be optimistic about this. Depressingly, the uh, gender diversity question about the percentage of women leaders in tech has only moved 1%, and that's over a 10-year period. So I find that somewhat depressing. But again, if you dig into the data, well, last year, women still are the primary carers. I know you have a little one at home as well. So I'm pretty sure you're a hands-on parent as, as many, many um, men are too. But nonetheless, the primary carer being uh, still women. So now the children are at home instead of maybe at nursery or at school. Um, if they're at school, you're having to think about, you know, now being a teacher as well as doing your job and taking care of the family. Um, or if a little one, you know, that was normally in nursery, can't you know sit them in front of a school book and say off you go then while you get on with your job so quite a few women declared themselves out um, and said I can't do all of this I have to actually focus on my family so we lost people from the industry I'm going to just add one more thing to this which is I'm optimistic because hybrid working I think will enable more women to stay longer and take more senior roles in the coming years. So I'm optimistic that we won't see a 1% change. We'll see a significant raise in that level over the coming two, three years. Do you, do you think that's going to take that long? Is there a sort of a, a delay inbuilt within the process, as it were? Yeah. I mean, again, you know, if you think about it, um, you know, if we've moved 1%, we move 1% a year, none of us are going to be on this planet to see, you know, anywhere near equity um, on this if it moves at this at this speed. But even with hybrid working, you know, you need to create systemic changes to show back in schools why tech is a great place for young um, girls to, you know, think about building their careers as well as young boys. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, you have to think about how long it's going to take, um, you know, to bring people all the way through. 
obviously it is depressing that it's changing so slowly and as you say there's a, a lot of society issues political issues and also you know education system issues that, that sit with this but obviously employers play a massive part in in this as well what's your advice been to employers to help them understand the steps that they need to take to improve the, the gender diversity within digital leadership thanks for asking that matt i think i have to start with my own business you know you always look to your own your own self but i think it's about first of all you know really being honest don't do things that are tick box exercises you have to create systemic change that is sustainable um, and so that means you know probably changing a hundred things not just one or two things so you know culturally asking us you know ourselves the question asking our people you know what do you like about our culture what would keep you in our business what do you want more of what do you want less of and really listen and make change happen i think being very flexible uh, you know as long as you get the outputs you need from somebody how they do it really is is less important and so really meaning that um, and being flexible about the way people can do that do their work i think will keep women in the industry as well um, and then i think culturally making sure you know that you call out poor behavior um, and really deal with it um, so you know you're showing people that you're serious about change and that you know they are valued and you do want them um, and it's not about saying you know oh well you know we want x percent of our workforce being women we want true lasting diversity Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. Just in terms of digital skills, obviously huge demand from employers because of the way that their their businesses are changing. But as you say, industries are being digitally transformed that we thought would, would never be digitally transformed. And we're, we're, we're doing things digitally that we probably couldn't have even imagined a, a couple of years ago. And it's inevitable that post-pandemic, lots of, lots of those things, they're not going to change. They're not going to change back. We, this, is the, this is the path that we're going on. How much of an issue is the shortage of digital skills for for employers? Is that something that's holding the digital a digital economy back? And specifically, what can employers do to to help the situation? Yeah. So, so answering the question about is it holding us back? Yes. Um, we're hearing a lot now, significantly, that digital leaders are genuinely concerned that it is slowing them down. Um, and, and at a time when they want to speed up, this is not great. So what's being done is, is a number of things. Um, this coming year, there's expected to be a big uptick in investment, uh, particularly in the UK, of apprenticeships. Uh, so this is great, um, not simply uh, and only taking graduate intakes, but actually taking school leavers, college leavers, um, to bring them through a training experience and give them hands-on work experience. So grow your own skills, if you like. Secondly, about reskilling. So you know, anybody in the tech industry will know that about 10% of our skills each year become redundant. Tech's moving at such a speed. So we need to reskill ourselves and organizations need to reskill their employees to keep skills relevant and growing. So there's a lot of investment in, in doing that as well, which is really important. Um, and I think you know, there is the, about the, the development space in, in general, really listening to what people need and want, I think is key. 
Um, and I think also, as I said earlier, you know, really paying attention to the culture, being flexible um, as to where people can work from. Now, this is interesting because it used to be that when you were searching for um, skills, you were looking at, you know, a radius around your head office or the, your place of work. You know, I need somebody that doesn't have to travel more than 20, 30 kilometers um, to get to my office and I need them in the office to do their work. Um, that's no longer true, especially in tech. Uh, so people can work from a variety of locations. Um, Matt, I know you're at the far end of the country up in, in lovely Scotland. Absolutely. Um, and, and yet, you know, you're a leader that, you know, works across the world. And, and that's true for, for most people in tech. So the flexibility of where our people are um, is enabling us to close those gaps faster as well. You've been in and, around the, in and around the recruitment industry for sort of a large proportion of your career, and you're obviously very passionate about technology and, and moving that forward. We're obviously seeing just a totally unprecedented time in recruiting at the moment with, with technology really uh, changing the way that, that, that we do recruiting and, and making all kinds of interesting things possible. What's your view on the way that recruitment is evolving and what is it that technology is changing and, and how do you think that might pan out? I think about this a lot. I'm sure you do too. Um, for sure, there are more tools um, available to us now to help us really reach um, a broader, more diverse population when we think about searching for candidates and freelancers and so on. Um, and, and so that's that's fantastic. Equally, though, and I, I was at an event yesterday where I heard uh, a software, a fantastic software provider, talking about how frustrating it was that even today recruiters, you know, do invest in some fantastic platforms, but don't take the time to bring their people with them on the journey. So they become underutilized. Um, and also, as they develop new, you know, new features to the software, they don't go back and, and make sure that they're getting the best from those from those tools. So it was a timely reminder to myself, especially coming from a technology background as I do, to actually make sure we do that inside our own business. Um, when you've invested, you want to make sure that you're giving your candidates, your clients, your contractors the very best experience they can. So, you know, making sure that working with us is a pleasure and not a chore. Um, so, so I think there are some simple things that we can do to go back and do some of the basics better. Um, and then I think there is, you know, new ways of reaching and, and curating um, future talent for organizations. I think direct sourcing is a, a fantastic way of doing that, being the intermediary, if you like, and helping kind of tee up future um, so, uh, sources of, of fantastic talent for organizations. Maybe, you know, not necessarily going to be deployed now, but maybe in a year or two's time, um, you know, building out that brand profile and connecting up the organization and the, and the con contractor and the candidate. It's a long way for this to go. And I don't think it's a threat. I think technology is actually not a threat. If you think back, and I was thinking about this recently, you know, to the time when job boards first came out, I remember people quite extensively in recruitment saying, oh, no, this is the beginning of the end. You know, we'll, we'll be out of work. That job boards will replace us. Um, companies will just place their jobs on, on the job boards and, and the candidates will go direct. 
And, and we know that's not been the case. In fact, the, the biggest users of job boards are, are recruit, recruitment firms themselves. So, you know, I think technology is, is um, an absolute opportunity to, to be even more accessible, both for clients and, and for us um, to reach great talent. Final question. We talked a little bit about the future there, but I suppose to look into the, the shorter term future, what's on your radar? We're, we're recording this sort of the end of November 2021. What's on your radar for 2022? What what are we going to be talking about? What What's going to be your sort of main focus? I, I mean, for sure, we need to address the skills gap in all its forms. As I said earlier, I think we have um, an, an imperative to really go out and, and help um, schools as well think about, you know, what kind of things they need to be preparing children for when they come to the job market. I think we have a responsibility to work alongside government um, to make sure that the school's agenda, the curriculum, if you like, um, you know, is keeping pace with industry. So, so I'm thinking about that more, actually, so that we can help. And, and the, diver- the diversity element, the gender element that we talked about earlier, um, you know, I think we need to be doing some really tangible things next year. And then I think cybersecurity is really interesting for us. You know, I think you will have seen this about three weeks ago. Uh, there was a report that said in the UK alone, there were 10,000 open cybersecurity roles. And yet when cybersecurity experts were spoken to in, in jobs, four out of five were thinking about, was this where they wanted to remain? Because actually they were getting burnt out. There weren't enough people alongside them and the risks, you know, were growing. Um, and, and so it no longer felt like a great place to be. So I want to focus more there as well and seeing how we can help organizations, you know, overcome the challenge when they're continuing to develop um, their services, you know, in a digital way. Bev, thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you, Matt. My thanks to Bev White. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list to get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time and I hope you'll join me. This is my show.